cloth, y'all would get ripped apart. You want a diamond, then you gotta get it in the dark. We dropping nuggets like Carmelo went to Rucker Park. Now we eating from state to state, we scraped the plate. I put my eggs in a basket, took a leap of faith. I took a chance, now we grow and see the impact. Decoding success with special guests, now let's bring Matt. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. You are rocking with us on episode number 172 of the Decoding Success podcast, and you are rocking with your host, Matt Labrie. To kick off Women's History Month, we are bringing to you a woman that has defined history. She has pioneered, she has spearheaded, she has trekked her own path because she did not have footprints to follow. Today, we are joined by Dr. Jen Welter, the first female to coach in the NFL. Now, in the summer of 2015, Dr. Jen served as a linebackers coach for the Arizona Cardinals, a period of time defined by the bond she has formed with the players. Widely known as a trailblazer and pioneer in professional football, becoming the first woman to coach in the NFL was only her most recent first. She most recently served as a defensive specialist for the Alliance of American Football, the AAF. Following her record-breaking accomplishment with the Cardinals, Dr. Jen became the head coach of the first Australian women's national team in 2017. Widely known as a trailblazer and pioneer in professional football, Dr. Jen became the first woman to play running back in a men's professional football league with the Texas Revolution. Now, in early 2015, Dr. Jen was hired as the first female coach in men's professional football, helping coach the most successful revolution season in franchise history. Prior to joining the world of men's professional football, Dr. Jen had a highly decorated 14-year career in women's professional football, which included four world championships, two gold medals as a member of Team USA in the 2010 and 2013 International Federation of American Football's Women's World Championship, and eight all-star selections. She was inducted into the first class of the Women's Football Hall of Fame on November 30th of 2018. Now, Dr. Jen is committed to increasing access and opportunities in football. To empower women through football, Welter designed her signature program, A Day in the Life, camp which debuted with the Washington Redskins women's program in 2015. She continues to create a range of camps for girls and women through her Gridiron Flag Football Camp, along with a number of other community initiatives like her Camp on the Corner program that brings football to youth in underserved areas. She released her first publication, Play Big, Lessons in Being Limitless, from the first woman to coach in the NFL in 2017. Dr. Jen has served on the advisory board for the NFL's Pro Football Hall of Fame Game for Life Academy since 2017, and she holds a doctorate degree in psychology, a master's in sports psychology, and a bachelor's degree from Boston College. Now, without further ado, we bring to you our friend, Dr. Jen Welter. Dr. Jen, welcome to the show. Really excited to have you. We are going to kick this off the same way we kick off every episode. To start, I would love to learn how you personally define success. Being able to sit next to my chihuahua after he's had seizures. <laughs> <laughs> like I think this is the only good thing about what we're all going through right now is that. Right. Um, but in saying that, I think it's really important for us all to remember that success is not somebody else's right. and it's also not, it's a, not always a constant, 
Mm. Right. If, if we only think that we succeed one way, then that means we're setting ourselves up to not feel like we're successful on, on most days. And so I think you can have success on winning a moment, right? Like this one, I think you can have success on achieving a goal, right? Which is often what people look to. Um, And then I think there is success in living your life where you feel good on a day-to-day basis in terms of who you are, um, what you do, um, how you are with your family and those around you and the good you can do for others. So my, my definition of success probably varies more than most people's. Um, you know, I consider a, a girl's camp where I make a lot of people smile and feel really good, like a huge success. Right. Um, and yet, and it might bring me the most, most joy. Um, and yet all the, obviously there are other markers like getting PhD is a huge success. Um, completing a kid's book is a success every time. And every time there's something that you learn along the way. So, um, I try to invest in the process, um, and not just live in the end game. Cause I think that's where we get lost. I love that. So, so many questions just around all of this stuff. I definitely appreciate it. And by the way, we have done over 170 episodes. We have never heard success broken down like that before, which is exactly why we ask it. Uh, everyone has their own unique definition and we would definitely appreciate the transparency. Uh, I'm curious though, do you feel like one of the successes that you named needs to come before the other? So for instance, the one that stood out to me was like um, loving who you are, et cetera. You were kind of going down that path. Do you feel like any one in particular needs to come before others? Um, you know, I, I think it's, I think it depends on, on what mindset you need to be in that day. Mm. Right. Um, on, on a day when it's tougher, Right. Like when, you know, as a, a proud dog mom, um, my my little boy is is not doing well. Um, success is giving him comfort. Right. Right. Because if it if it's something else, then I'm going to be really upset that I'm not able to be doing those other things. And yet the most important thing right now is him. That's, so that's amazing. Yeah. You know, but so even being able to say, you know what, I'm going to to do this call and do the things that I need to do. Right. Like which we said we were going to do. This was one goal for the day that we're doing right now. But to be able to do it in a way that I can also be a good dog mom, like that's got to be success, because if I don't see it that way, then I'm going to be frustrated. It's it's so much in the focus. Right. Right. And then you also want to have have longer um longer views of success right because those are what kind of keep us motivated to do the things every day that you know may not be the funnest right like and yet they're a part of the process and the reminder and yet even in that it's like the ability to keep going, even if some days are slower than others. And I think, especially in this time right now, it's so important to be kind and be real with the world because everybody is going through stuff. Yeah. I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. In fact, many conversations about that, and I have a question for that as well, but I'm curious because 
what you've been mentioning is staying very present, right? Like you mentioned earlier when you were defining success that you're, you know, you, you understand there is a, a long game and end game, but you're also very present in today. And you just mentioned that even with the Chihuahua being the success, you know, just being a great dog mom, how do you get into that state of mind? Because I mean, listen, I'm in my late twenties, 28 years old. I am super focused on goal, 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 goal. I'll be the first to admit it. I'm curious, like how you find yourself staying present and focusing on today versus, you know, the end game, as you said. You know, I, I always have a kind of an end game, but I, I think this year um, of any was one where what I was working on and working towards really got put on pause, mm. right? I was, you know, for the past, gosh, I don't even know how many years now I've been in a different city, Um you know, speaking on big stages, doing big camps. Um, and, and that's what I was scheduled to do for this year. Right. So if those were the only goals, if there was, those were the only wins, then I'm not doing so well right now. Right. Right. And yet for any of us right now, going through extraordinarily tough situations in the world. I think we have to find those wins. Otherwise, we're only going to look at what we're not doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then the win becomes, OK, how can I innovate? How can I how can I pivot? How can I connect? Where are those personal wins? And, you know, what does that look like? Right. Like my example would be, um, thanks mama being able to right now be here with my mom, right. Who that was, that was even a tough win in and of itself because, you know, I was across the country and we had to kind of huddle up and see how that would be possible because it was tough on all of us being, you know, on separate ends of the country and also trying to be responsible with the pandemic and all of those things. Right. So how do you reinvent yourself? How do you look at the world as it is and be as good in that world um, as possible? And, you know, for me, that was like, okay, all of this is going on. Um, Let's, create a kids book series. This is, this is how I can use my talents and um, also my personality to help other people feel good. Right. Like that was, that's been one of my big projects in this. Right. Right. And if I hadn't done that and really gotten to get into a place in a space where I'm writing rhymes and creating crazy characters and working with illustrators and getting to see these characters come to life, right? Like being able to be really creative and really focused on something that required that kind of attention. Um, And knowing that I was going to be able to help people by creating this. um, If I didn't have that, then the exterior would have been particularly tough because I was there in LA alone with my chihuahua. Right. Right. For months and months and having just moved, I didn't even have furniture for the first 40 days. Like my furniture was in coronavirus purgatory for longer than Noah was on the ark. That's (laughs) tough. Right. And you don't even have like the comfort of, you know, a grocery store or knowing neighbors and people and all of these things that are just so normal and easy. So I had to try and find something that would allow me to dig in. Mm -hmm. Right. 
and that I needed to dig in to be really good at. Otherwise, um, I would have been very upset and very feeling the loss as opposed to, okay, well, this is what could be found in this situation and in these circumstances. Cause I'd said I wanted to write kids books for a long time and never had the dedicated time to dig in and be intentional. Right. So I think we, we kind of have to find those wins in being present because especially when we can't do anything about the big overwhelming things in the world, right? Like um, that stuff can become, make you feel very helpless. And yet where we always have ownership is how do we respond to the situation and what can I do right now? That's it. What can I do right now in this moment to be successful, to bring joy, to connect, whatever that goal is. And then let me get, let me get a small win, right. In a situation that feels so big. Right. And I think that's why so many people have felt such a sense of loss and, um, like not only just personal loss, but loss of direction Mm -hmm. in this time is because, you know, it, it all is so big, right? Like it's a global pandemic, right? Businesses are shutting down. People are losing jobs. And yet what can we each do to be successful in the moment? I love that. I absolutely love it. Now I'm curious, I feel like what has helped you pivot during these times and it's super admirable how you pivoted. I just feel like it comes down to the compassion and empathy you had for yourself. What is your advice to anyone listening in regards to that? Because I have known, or I do know many people that are really feeling it like still like, right. And I'm one of them, right? Like I have the highest of highs and the lowest of lows yesterday being a very low, low. And I was like, what the fuck? Like I'm actually depressed right now because I just came off a super high, high where on Tuesday I was interviewed by my former boss, who's a shark. And I was just like, no way the ebbs and flows are just like what the fuck that's really dope that you got to interview with him though it was really cool but then yesterday it was really low and luckily i'm building that compassion and empathy for myself and understanding again day by day this is why i'm resonating with your message so much Mm -hmm. what do you suggest for someone to start building that compassion to start building that empathy and putting that into their life yeah and i mean it's a work in progress for me too Because I'm not going to lie there. It it is, you know, like, for example, um, Gridiron Girls, which are my girls camps. It's like my heart. Right. Like and we've had such good momentum. And and now, you know, we did two camps at Super Bowl in Miami and have been off for a year. Right. Right. And so and I have these girls that have connected and they're like, oh, my gosh, we want to camp. We want to see you. And um you know, I've been doing little things to connect with them. Like if there was a tournament and somebody else was maintaining it, I could be socially distant and safe and all of those things or doing zoom calls with some of the teams and just ways to help out, but it's not the same. Right. Right. And so what I have said is I'm going to be intentional about sharing their stories and sharing their content and highlighting, you know, their pictures and not just letting gridiron girls live as a part of like my social, but giving them their own channel. So they get everything, they get all the shine and 
I had so much good stuff in the can that had never gotten the opportunity to see the light of day. And so for me, I'm like, okay, if I'm feeling lost or like I'm not doing enough, like I will go and, you know, find one of those videos or one of those pictures that just strikes home and make sure that girl gets her moment. Right. Like, and, and it, it, it is a little thing that makes me feel good. Right. And we have to find those little things that we can do. And I think a lot of the times we, for me, like I find them in, in the empathy and care for someone else. hundred percent. Right. Like I may feel not good for just me. I'm frustrated or something happened or there was a roadblock or there was just, uh, and then it's like, okay, step away from that. Right. Let's try and get some movement. And I'm a big believer in energy, momentum and movement. So if you feel really like, uh, right, which we all are right now, because we're, not only is like the world kind of closed in a lot of ways, but we're also closed in a home office, this, that, and the other. So we don't even get to move and get the kind of the psychological uplift of seeing something cool that you just didn't expect on the street one day, right. Or running into an old friend, like some of those really cool moments that just naturally happen um, are only happening when they're intentional now. So that feels hard. Mm -hmm. So I say, if you feel stuck in your mind, get up and move, right? Mm -hmm. If you're going down one direction and like, say you're just working on a problem and you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it. Either shift gears to something small that you can do like a micro win, right? I can post a picture of one of these girls. I can like, I can do that. And it'll take me 15 minutes and it, it mentally brings me to the joy of the camp, being able to make this girl smile or, you know, to see that this girl who um, I was particularly tough on is now like a varsity collegiate flag football player, right? Like, and it, it brings my mind to that story because our minds are storytellers, right? Mm -hmm. So if you feel blocked in one way, shift it mentally and or shift it physically, right? If your energy feels stuck, if your creativity feels down, then give yourself the endorphins of physical movement, right? Give yourself a different workspace, one that might be standing up, one that might be sitting down. Don't be afraid to go sit on the couch for a little bit and let your, you know, your body be in a different position, your view be different. Like those things can actually and will actually trigger memories, connections, emotions in there. And also get yourself some theme thoughts, theme, theme songs. Hello, English. Get yourself <laughs> some English, right? But get yourself some theme songs because we all know, like, have you ever had a really bad day? I mean, like just, uh, and you walk into a building and you unexpectedly are greeted by a song that you can't help but kind of vibe to, right? right. Well, your mind can only really hold one thought 
fully focused at a time. So some of the cheat codes are like music is really good for that because if you, you notice it, like I'm in a bad mood, I'm not going to do that. And then you like start and you're like, you're like, no, I'm in a bad mood. And then you you can't help it. And then you find yourself kind of by the end of the song, you're like, oh yeah, that, you know, and you, and you kind of keep that vibe with you. So some of those songs can be a really good way to just shake it off. Right. Like if you're frustrated, like, you know, get up, turn on one of those songs, dance ridiculously. If you want to sing, sing loudly, sing badly, take the pressure off yourself. Do not worry about perfect. No one's watching. This is not social media. This is not anyone else. This is just you. And that's what you need to do in that moment. And I can promise you um, there are several reasons why that works, but one is the, the only thought. And then the other one is a lot of the times like that, that, energy where you feel like you can't go anywhere. Um, that is the fight or flight mechanism kicking in. Mm. Right. And so we're, we're stuck. It's like, you're ready to run. Like, am I going to have to run? Am I going to have to fight? And what I think there's no worse advice, at least for me, and it might work for somebody, but when I'm in that mood, right. And I'm like, like that's, <laughs> Tons of energy waiting to be expressed and released. And then what's the worst advice and what makes me want to kind of like, you know, squish them with my head. You know how we used to do this? Like you look like an ant. Um, let me squeeze your head. Uh, <laughs> the thing that gets me to that point is when somebody's like, just relax. Mm. Well, duh. I would really like to relax, but that it goes to against every bit of my nature right now. Right. Like, oh, just breathe. Well, I am breathing. That's not fixing it. Right. Right. Like not holding my breath, but I am holding a lot of energy. And so actually, instead of like, you know, just relax or breathe, you know what I do? I'm like, go hit a punching bag. Go do some jumping jacks, do some squat jumps, do some push-ups. give that energy a place to go channel it in don't fight the nature and there's actually a really cool trick that i'm going to take you through this is one of my go-tos so if you're feeling that way all right and you guys should all do this with me i want you to you're going to now take into your hands all right i want you to think about this you are going to inhale and as you do I want you to take in every single bit of aggravation, energy, static, everything that you haven't been done and just squeeze it in. Bring it in, bring it in, bring it in, bring it in, bring it in. You start to feel it going through your biceps, through your shoulders, through your neck, through your through your belly, all the way to the tips of your toes. There's so much energy. You feel like your whole entire being is going to explode. And then you exhale and let it out. I love that. Do you feel the lightness? Of course I feel the lightness. Yeah. So you gave that energy a place to go. I didn't just say relax. Well, relax. Yeah. And you really can. And if it, if it takes you three times doing it, do it three times, but bring it all in, take all that tension. Don't try and just say relax. No, bring it in and then let it out. And you can do it more than one time. Right. To the point where at the end of it, your your fingers and everything should just almost feel like they're floating. Right. And 
the the cheat code if you're ever in a situation so if you practice that and you get to it if you're ever in a situation where um you're mad but obviously in front of other people and you can't do that the way i want you to remember to bring that back to you is just take your your index finger and your thumb and i want you to press them really hard into each other go ahead press really hard really hard really hard really hard and now let it go Yeah. And you will feel the lightness. And if it's still going, do it again. But you can do that very subtly, right? In a situation where you're frustrated and then feel the frustration and literally give yourself permission to let the aggression, the anxiety, the frustration, um, even, you know, practice it, closing your eyes and visualizing those, those emotions and that energy, right? That red, if it's a, like put a color to it, describe it mm-hmm. and give it permission to leave you. Um, and that is actually, believe it or not, right? That technique is slightly modified, but it's one that you would get through like progressive relaxation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am actually teaching you how to relax, but I'm actually dealing with the energy that's causing you to be anxious and allowing you to accept it and let it go as opposed to just relax. Well, relax is an outcome. It's not actually getting you there, right? Like, yes, I would like to relax. No kidding. I don't feel good feeling like I'm, you know, like this, like I have all of this energy and I can't put it anywhere. Like that doesn't feel good. And yes, I would really like to relax, but can you tell me how to do that? Right, right. Like, and then what do we do? They say, just breathe. And you're like, <laughs> right. Like it's these short choppy breaths that don't actually infuse your breath. Right. So the technique that we did is actually a progressive relaxation technique that will get you to the outcome of relax, but it's not just, Hey, what are you doing? Why are you upset? Relax. And you're like, I would love to, but I don't know how, right? Like, let's take these things and actually give them, um, give them a way to do it. And, and I do that with myself. I'll be in a situation and I actually have the natural tendency, uh, to clench my jaw, which can do that too. Right. Like we put that energy there. So this one is one that your dentist will like a lot better. Um, but because of that, I also chew a lot of gum. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can, again, that's putting that energy into something. So I might be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm smiling, but really I'm snarling. And um, my teeth hate me for that one. But that is a place that I tend to put a lot of tension as the jaw. But this is a way that you can actually intentionally, hopefully let some of that go. I love that. I love that. I appreciate that. I really do. And I resonate with all of it. Like, I feel like I'm talking to my higher self and I definitely appreciate that. Um, I want, and here's the other thing I'm going to say about that. I'm not perfect in it either. Right. Right. None of us are. It is really important to give your human self permission to realize that you're flawed. You're going to have those moments. And yet Even in sports psychology, we always say, you know, those who we consider mentally tough are not ones that don't experience those things, right? Or ever feel fear or weakness or this, or feel disappointment, right? Like if I'm a, if I'm a defensive back, the other team is going to beat me at times. They know where they're going. I don't, right? Their job is to get there. My job is to do my best to stop them, but 
you're not going to be perfect all the time. The mentally tough player is the one who recovers quicker, right? You don't lose the next play because you got this one lost, right? People who tend to not be mentally tough or what we consider um, as resilient are the ones who put a lot of energy into the things that they can't control. You cannot control the last play. You cannot control the next play. In this moment, in this space, right now, all you can focus on is what you need to do to be successful, right? right? What are the very basic steps and even going through them in your head? Because again, one thought at a time, right? If you can really only hold one thought at a time, then I'm losing attentional focus when I'm worried about the fans in the stands, the outcome, who's watching. Oh my gosh, that guy beat me last play. Oh, the weather is really bad. Like, oh, this is terrible. Oh, that ref made a bad call. All of those things. If I'm putting energy there, what I'm not doing is paying attention to what I actually need to do right now in this moment to be successful. Mm-hmm. So it's not that you're not going to be aware of them. It's not that you, it's not ever going to affect you, but how fast can you get back to the place in the space where you say, this is what I need to do right now. And then build in tools to help yourself do it. Is that you need to put on, put on some music, right? Athletes, we do that a lot of the times. Um, but a lot of times people don't even understand why it's so powerful or why it works, right? They've basically given themselves like, this is the mind frame I need to be in to be successful, right? And, um, But that's why those things work and that's why they're so important. But I think a lot of the times where we lose our way in terms of success is that um, that thought that we're supposed to be perfect. We're We're supposed to be perfectly motivated. We're supposed to be perfectly productive. We're supposed to be perfectly creative, always creative, always motivated, grinding. And the truth is that you're an actual human um, and actual humans, you know, have a day where they don't have as much energy or, you know, or their dog needs to be taken care of, or, you know, um, the world is shut down. And so all we can really be successful in is our response to it and, and not spend more energy or create more frustration by than being mad at ourselves for not being perfect. Why do you think people want to be perfect? Is it because they're comparing themselves to other people's highlight reels? Is it because they're seeking validation from the outside? I'm just curious why you think people feel like they need to be perfect. I'm one of them, by the way. So uh, <laughs> I think it's it's a little bit different for everybody, right? There's There's no one size fits all in why we put these pressures on ourselves, right? Um, We're capable, we're talented. um, We've had other people doubt us, right? Um, You know, athletes are taught never to admit fear, never to admit weakness. So are they imperfect and therefore not as good as they could be if they do show or, or they aren't perfect all the time, right? Because they're taught if you show weakness, somebody else will use it as an advantage to beat you. Right. Right? So it really depends on the context and what the goal is, why it's perfection. Right. If you look at um, 
a woman say, and she feels like a, a picture has to be perfectly edited into some format. It's because she's probably trying to um, fit into an ideal of beauty, or maybe she's trying to get some attention, right? She needs that, that hit of confidence from attention from others, right? Like there are, there are so many reasons why we put these things on ourselves, but yes, the portrayal of highlight reels and like nobody has ever had a bad day makes it really tough. Um, the, you know, women get a lot of that as like you, you know, I, I, what did I say yesterday to somebody? I'm like, look, women are expected to be all things to all people at all times. And do it while going backwards, fixing your makeup in the mirror and wearing high heels. Mm. Right. And you can't drop any of them. Right. Like mom's got all the answers all the time. Entrepreneurs, a lot of that too. Right. Like they're supposed to have all of the answers and none of the questions. And yet, um, and, and they're supposed to be this perfect founder that doesn't need anything from anybody. Right. right? And it's, it's scary to admit those things. Um, and really that's an ideal that's in their own head. Um, and I've struggled with it. I know we all have, right. Like, I mean, I, I actually realized, I think, um, in my own life, some, like I had done such a good job creating a player persona, right. Especially when I was playing against men and all this stuff, it was like, you know, um, like one of my, one of my coaches was like, yeah, Walter, it's really weird. They like whisper your name, like, and it's like your whole name, which nobody would ever do. It's not like Jen Walter, right? It's like, oh, that's Jen or, or that's Walter, right? Like for the women that played with me or, you know, it's coach Jen for the players, but like, oh, that's Jen Welter. Right. And he was like, it's so weird. It's like, you're not even a real human. And I was like, shut <laughs> up. Right. Like just stop. Cause I'm not that person. Right. Like I'm like, I played my career for a dollar a game and I'm just stubborn and I have not done all the things right all the time. And I definitely put pressure on myself. But when I realized that that image and persona was a liability right. was when I was a head coach for the first time. Mm. So here I am coaching the Australian women's national team and I would like teach the players something or a technique or go over it. And I heard several times from girls who were absolutely athletic enough, absolutely smart enough, absolutely every bit as capable of doing it as I was. Uh, but you can do that because you're Jen Welter. Hmm. Right. So it was like, you know, you're larger than your life. You're not on the same level, which gave them an excuse to check themselves out. And I realized that them having this ideal of perfection, right. Or persona um, was actually making me not approachable and not realistic. And so I, I, had to shuffle things and I made every single one of my players say, address the fact that they kind of thought I was superhuman. Right. So I went into the comic book stuff and I'm like, okay, well, whether it's wonder woman or Superman or Batman, every one of them has some type of a kryptonite, right? right? There is some weakness and I need you to you obviously all have ideas of what my strengths are. I need you to go ahead and tell me what my kryptonite is. Mm -hmm. Right. I needed them to see that we are all flawed right. and that 
we all have strengths, right? We all have our superpowers, but we all also have very real human moments, even if we're wearing big, big pads and helmets. And that was um, probably one of, one of the most raw and also revealing um, exercises that I did because funny enough, what I would have thought was, you know, the thing that, um, most people would target as like being my weakness would be that I'm, you know, small, right? Like I'm five foot two. Um, and that was not the thing that any of my players said. Right. Which to me was even like, Oh, maybe I've been looking at myself the whole, like wrong the whole time. Yeah. That's so interesting. That's a, that's a very interesting exercise, by the way. I definitely appreciate that share. I, I want to learn. I mean, we always do this, and I'm really curious to learn who Jen was. What uh, who Jen was in high school? How did she define success back then? Where did sports come about? Like, I'm just curious to like know who you were back then, so we can connect the dots and um, you know keep moving this forward. Yeah. So let's see. Um, I'm going to start. The sports have always been a part, like um, I've always been a very movement oriented um, kid. Right. My mom, who crashed us a little bit earlier, um, (laughs) always tells the story of when I was about six months old, uh, she went to get her tube side. And that was the first time she'd really been away. um, And I was given a bottle. And she said, that was it for you. The second you discovered you could eat and run, like you were not ever letting me like hold you and do all that stuff. You'd be like, ah, um, <laughs> and so there was always like kind of a high motor, um, and very independent kind of curious kid who, um, you know, made connections that were kind of deep that still I kind of look at like, you realize you picked that up. Like I, when I learned of Joan of Arc, um, I went home to my dad and I was like, daddy, it is a really good thing that I was born now. And he's honey, why? And I said, Oh, they would have burned me at the stake. <laughs> and it was because, I mean, she put on the same battle armor And she went into battle with the guys and led them. And I could not understand why she would be burned at the stake for that. Like, I would definitely do that. Like, I want to be like her, right? Like, so somebody like that, like, I was like, I want to be like her. Like, it was just very matter of fact. And, um, and that same kid, my mom, uh, walked into my room one day and I was, um, I was, you know, drawing and um, she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm practicing my autograph. She said, okay, what what are you doing that for? I said, well, I'm going to be famous one day. (laughs) And she said, okay, how are you going to be famous? And I said, I'm not sure yet. It's either as an actress or as an athlete. And I, I tell people, I'm like, now I do a little bit of both, right? Like, um, and so I always just went down these tangents. Like a lot of the times, very much on my own, like if it was, you know, I loved math and I was a competitor and I, I, I used to play like academic games and, you know, so I was on the math team. Um, I was in plays, but always as the, like, 
villain or character. I was never the like Cinderella um, or Snow White or any of them. Like I was, I was Cinderella's fat stepsister in a fat suit. Um, that was like this larger than life character. Or um, I was Cleopatra at one time and I was like Titania the fairy, like always these larger than life roles that were quirky and, you know, outside of the box, never just the like pretty heroine that everybody's supposed to like. Like I was never that one. I was even the magic mirror one time, right? Like I was the mirror, like I was the evil mirror. Um, but like these places and spaces that I could really get into. I was also a tournament tennis player at a very young age. And it was easy to me as a kid because I was so focused on being good. I don't think I, I don't think I really was as worried about evaluation. Right. And I think that that's a shift that I wish we could erase from every single one of us. Right. Like that it's, it's somebody else's opinion that mattered. Right. Like I used to win the poetry contest every every year at my school and I had zero fear to get up in front of the entire school and recite poetry. Right. And like then where do we shift in our life that that we start to fear doing what we're passionate about? Um, And so, you know, I ended up I was a two-year captain of the soccer team in high school. Um, I, you know, I was um, actually the valedictorian of my class with weighted grades. Um, And I never really, I, I started to see that you didn't really fit in being all those things as a girl, right? It was like you, I know that I felt the need to like even play off my intelligence at times. Um, you know, like I went into a, uh, um, I don't know, calculus class, I think it was, or one of those. And um, I walked in and, you know, this, the teacher said, uh, you all better be the smartest um, kids in the class. Um because this is the hardest class. And, you know, I got up and I was like, oh, sorry, I must be in the wrong room, you know? <laughs> and I remember the teacher was like, Miss Welter, sit down. I've been warned about you. And I was like, right? But I didn't feel that, you know, as a girl in, in the quote unquote popular crowd with, you know, who was also an athlete, should also or was like allowed to also be really smart because I had team people that were intimidated by me because of those things. And, um, you know, I ended up being one of only, you know, I went to a first year high school in in a smaller town and I ended up being one of only two um, people to go out of state for college. and one was my high school boyfriend who was the captain of the football team and he went to play football and I went to Boston college and I didn't even apply to a Florida school because I wanted to go. I did not want to be in 13th grade. I did not want to be able to come home on weekends. Like I needed to, to go and have there be no net. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that was, 
that was me, just this very motivated on my own kind of person who saw things differently than than a lot of people did and um, didn't didn't necessarily have a ton of guidance in terms of a lot of things. So, um, and, and still don't, right. Like I, I guess, um, that's what it's like to do things differently is that you're always kind of to an extent doing them differently, which means, you know, um, there may or may not be somebody else who can guide you on those things. A hundred percent. I love that. What is a question you wish more people would ask you and how would you answer it? Um, I don't know. Um, I'm such an open person that I don't know that there are any questions that that people really haven't asked. Um, but I do think it's more like on the interpersonal stuff or, or like the connection base as opposed to just the accomplishment, mm-hmm. right? Like I think a lot of the times people just really get hung up on the highlights, like, and they want to know that one story, um, you know, and it's like some of those stories, I'm like, yeah, I wrote a book, like, like that's all in there. And, and it's laid out for you because people were asking me to tell that story again and again. It's like, I want them to have maybe read it or known me or something and then have a next level question, right? That's what really impresses me is when like, it's something different or it, or it stumps me or, um, you know, cause I, I like to, I like to actually like problem solve and stuff. It's like, okay, what are we going to do about this? Um, I, I consult all the time and, you know, I think people forget, um, because of, you know, having coached in the NFL or that, that, um, you know, I actually have a PhD and that I was doing that much longer. Um, you know, um, I mean, it's interesting. I, I had a, um, ahead of scouting from an NFL team send me a message yesterday and I don't know him we've never met um but he was like man I just listened to you do an interview and I wanted to say you know um just respect and like I really respect your love for the game and I was like oh my gosh that's so awesome like thank you so much and I was like hey by the way um just an FYI with the combine coming up and everything like the wonder like is garbage. Like don't ever use it. And he was like, what? And I was like, Oh yeah, that's my dissertation. Right. Like this is the research that I did. It's still really, you know, the most comprehensive research date on that subject. Um, happy to share it with you if you want. And he was like, yeah, I'd love to read it. You know? So I think, I think there's depth to people that, that we don't necessarily always have time or opportunity to get to, Um, because, uh, we may or may not get the time to really, um, just get to peel the layers back a little bit. Right. Because, you know, again, if we, if we only have so much time and you've got to, you, you want to cover certain elements, then the conversation is going to stay there for most of the time. Right. If, if that's the one big thing you want to know about, like, how did you make it to the NFL? It's like, okay, well, here's the story. Right. And I'll tell it to you and I'm a pro at telling it. But if, 
if that's the only story you want to hear, or that's, if you have a limited amount of time, then we're only going to get through that. Right. And you know, that's cool too, but that's also something you could have read or listened to elsewhere. And now you have this person, what are, what are you going to talk to them about that is different? Right. hundred. And I'm always in for it, but it's like, you know, um, I find that stuff fascinating, right? Like the, the other stuff that we don't always get to hear or know or see. A hundred percent. I love that. I love it. I know we're running out of time here. So I'm going to ask you one last question. If Dr. Jen could only give one piece of advice the rest of her life, meaning if you were to write another book or hop on another podcast, another stage, et cetera, if you could only give one piece of advice the rest of your life, what would it be? First of all, that's just not even possible because <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not, but I'm curious. It's not even possible. Like I can't even, um, because, you know, the advice I would give would also be um, really contingent on the situation and the person. Right. I, and, and so I guess that's what it is. It's like, you know, um, and, and I'll give you a story for context. Like I remember one of the questions that I used to literally like, like almost laugh at people for um, with the NFL was like, you know, how did you command the players or the respect of the, or the respect of the players in the NFL? And I'd be like, command, like, Ooh, see this, this is why it could have failed. Like if I would have been in like, you have to listen to me because blah, 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 blah. No, they don't. They, right. they actually do not have to listen to you. They do not. Why would they want to listen to you? That's the question. And so my approach was I needed to listen and let the situation coach me because how am I going to help you? First of all, if I don't know you, second of all, if I don't know where you want to go, where you are right now, how you need to receive that information. If I just come in and I'm like, uh, maybe, or maybe not right? Like you can't actually yell loud enough so that people have to listen, right? Right. You can tune out even the loudest scream if you want to, right? They've they've been this, let's go back peanuts. That was so brilliant. Like we all heard it and went in here, anything that the teacher said, Right. right? That is a very real psychological condition. Like you can scream at me and I can absolutely make it so that I picked up not one word of it if I don't want to. (laughs) Right. And yet anyone can lean in for a whisper, meaning they can choose to absorb the information that you have for them, but that is a choice and it's a conscious one. So for me, not having any care, like context, right. What was your plan on going in there? I'm like, I didn't have one. They're like, what do you mean you didn't have a plan? I'm like, I planned to learn the situation and add value when I could so that they were like, oh, she knows what she's talking about. What else is that? Right. And when something I would say would work, whether it was technique or be helpful or something, then guess what? They want more right? Hey coach, like that was really great. What else do you have? Right. Right. And then you establish trust, right? You start to build in credibility in a relationship. It's not like you have to listen to me because I'm a coach and I have a whistle. Like that doesn't actually work, Right. right? Like not at that level, 
right? You can command that in certain situations that are edified, that are set up for it. But in a level like that, with the best of the best, no, no, they don't. No, they don't. So, you know, go in and learn the situation, listen and see where you can add value so that you create buy-in and curiosity and people want more from you, not less. I remember I learned that from, and and actually it was probably a part of the perspective came from um, Kevin Minter, who was one of my linebackers. And I love Kev. We were super tight and he just won his first Super Bowl. I'm so excited. And he was, you know, he was a captain and we were sitting there and it was me and his wife, Sid, who's amazing. And um, a guy, I think he worked for maybe like Microsoft or one of those, like I was trying to introduce Kevin because I wanted him to like start thinking about the business side of stuff. Right. Cause he'd be the perfect guy. He's never going to, never going to get in trouble. Good family guy, really respectful, like, but not the marquee name, but this, this is a guy that you, you know, you want to build with. Right. And, or at that time it wasn't a marquee name, obviously. Um, and I said, you know, and the guy asked him, he said, you know, what, what was your biggest fear with her coming to your team, you know, having a female coach and Kev is, he's so deep. Like, that's why he's, he's very like, takes it all in. And he said, well, I don't actually know if my biggest fear was her being a woman per se. He said, but with a new coach, it's like they just talk all the time, like, cause they feel like they need to say something at every minute. And he's like, it, it just shows that they're really young a lot of the time, right? Like they're just trying to justify that they're there. And he said, she never did that, right? He was like, it was so easy and so smooth that like you could tell she'd been there before. Mm. And I think so often we're so busy trying to validate our existence that, um, you know, we don't take the time to listen. And um, that's that's probably what I would say, because even in giving advice, right, like my advice is only going to be as as good as my ability to empathize with you and your situation. Right. I love that. I love that. That was a phenomenal answer. Dr. Jen, I definitely appreciate your time. Um, I could ask you a million and one more questions. I just know that I want to make sure I'm getting you out of here on time. I'm going to have websites, socials, all that good stuff. Look, I'm like, hold on. Let me see. Do I have anything after this? Let me let you know. <laughs> um, you know, cause I think these connections and these conversations are are important, right? Like that's why, you know, even when it's tough, like this is one of the things that I know I intentionally said I need to do more of, right? Because when I was on the road all the time, people would ask me to do the podcast and this, that, and the other. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I just can't, right? Like I don't have the bandwidth or I would, I would actually get really phobic of like, messing up the schedules because of like flights and things like that. Cause I, I don't like to let people down. So I'm slow to commit if I think that it might not happen for some reason. Um, but that was something that I said, you know, I'm going to be intentional about doing right. Right. Is making sure that I can be more, more accessible and more approachable. So that has been mine. Um, it looks like, 
the king is going to make an appearance. I love it. I love it. How's he doing? This is Tyson. Hi, Tyson. He rules the world. That tongue is all the time, by the way. That is so awesome. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So you do the baby. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Tell them all. Uh, people, people are fascinated with Coach Jen, but this is the real MVP. <laughs> <laughs> you are the MVP pup. Um, that nickname came from one of my gridiron girls, Kaylee Patterson. She was one of the originals. And she always says like, where's Tyson? He's the real MVP. And she actually had a dog named Tyson too. So, um, and now she has a Chihuahua named Blitz. So as you can see, uh, football is, is very much in her, in her life now, but she, she gave him the, um, nickname, the real MVP. I love it. I could tell. I love it. That's so awesome. So, so awesome. Well, like I was saying, I'm going to have your show note uh, in the show notes. I'm going to have the website, socials, all that good stuff. Do you have anything coming up that we should make people aware of? Um, Special or anything? Um, I mean, just the Gridiron Girls camps will probably start again. I don't have dates or anything like that. Um, we're talking about it now. Hopefully get some camps going very soon because nice. the kids are getting crazy although we will probably do uh, um help the giants launch the high school girls flag football in um april 11th i think is going to be the next one but um for me really the kids books are probably the um the kids book and my book are probably the things that are easiest to promote in any way because everything else i'm like what i'm speaking i'm meeting the box on zoom today like you know Um, that, that has been a little bit hard, but, um, yeah, I think the books are probably the, the biggest thing. And, and obviously the camps will get, will get going soon, but, um, I can't wait on that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Dr. Jen, I love it. Thank you again for your time today. Definitely. Nope. Question first. Now your turn. You said you were really excited because your mentor got to interview you. I was, yeah. Tell me about that. It was phenomenal. To be honest, I went in it thought thinking I was interviewing him. So uh, it was a bit of a curveball. Uh, obviously, I worked with him for three years, but the individual coordinating it asked me what I wanted to talk about. And um, I just sent over a bunch of questions because Draco, don't don't squeak right now. Bro. Oh, yeah. Let me see Draco. Come, come here, on. Draco. Your dog wants to say hi, too. Look, come here. Who's it's this? all about the dogs. Come here. Oh, yeah, he's a baby. Hi, baby. Who's that? Look. Hi, baby. Hi. Who's that? Hi. Who's I that? A baby. Hi, baby. Oh, look at that face. Hi, baby. Yes. Yes, you would give me puppy love, wouldn't you? Yes, you would. Look at you. You're so beautiful. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, what a, a cutie. He's a baby. He's a big boy. He's 50 pounds already. He's just six months. So see what happens. But um, how big is he supposed to get? 50 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> but he's only six months. So yeah, he might be a little bigger than that. He's he might, Draco might be, might bust the scales on that one. Probably, probably. But, probably going to bust the scales on that one. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. But um, yeah. Okay. Was- so you didn't tell me which shark it was, by the way. Uh, Damon. That's who I worked with. I worked with Damon. Oh, cool. Um, I spent three years with him directly out of college. I met him on my college campus. Um, 
really awesome opportunity turned a five minute conversation into an internship. Long story short, it was because of my network. But um, at the same time, I spent those three years with him, ended up leaving, started this podcast in an agency. And um, yeah, yesterday, I'm not sorry, not yesterday, Tuesday, we had it scheduled for Instagram live, we went live. And next thing you know, he started asking me questions. And I was like, wait, like, I just was not prepared for it whatsoever. But you know, I had answers to them because they were questions that I could actually answer from a very genuine place. And it was really cool. It was fun. It was definitely fun and uh, had a good time. So hopefully some people were impacted and that's what matters. They were. Um, What was the biggest thing you took from um, working with Damon? That was one of the questions he asked. Um, That answer comes down to one meeting, just literally one meeting I had with him. And he was so calm in this meeting. And I'm like, how are you? And I'm not saying this to him while the meeting's going on, but I'm like, how are you so calm right now? Like, it just didn't make sense to me because, you know, I'm in my early twenties at that point. If you say something I don't like, I get emotional. I react with emotion and he's just sitting there and I'm like, I have to ask him at the end of the meeting. And that's exactly what I did. And I mentioned that on the live when we were live, I said, I asked you and you were like, Matt, like business isn't brain surgery. He was like, you're going to make money some days. You're going to lose money some days. He was like, you're not killing someone though. And someone's life isn't in danger, right? Mm -hmm. Like, listen, you can go a lot deeper on that and say, you know, maybe, you know, a paycheck might not come in a week and, you know, you might not be able to eat out or something of that nature, right? Like there is some seriousness to it. Of course. But at the end of the day, he was like, dude, it's not brain surgery. And he can say that from where he is at this point in his life. I think he was probably 49 at that point. He's 52 now. I think he's 52. And, um, you know, it's a lot easier for him to say that being that he's done 7 billion in global sales and whatnot and all these investments. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm trying to live like that. But that was the biggest takeaway. And I try and, you know, do my best daily to not just like stay calm, because as you were saying, it's calm and relax is like kind of an outcome. Uh, 100% resonated with that. But that was the biggest takeaway. And how do you think it changed um, the trajectory of where you were versus where you are now. <laughs> totally different. Um, he actually said it again on the live. He was like, Matt, at the time you were working with me, there was something I loved about you and something I hated about you. They were both the same thing. You were a know-it-all. Now, when I say that, I realize now at this point in my life, I worked with him from 24 to 27. I'm tw- Or yeah, no, 24 to... <laughs> something along those lines, whatever, 23 to 26, something like that. And I realized that a lot of my acting out at that point in my life was to get attention, right? Um, A lot of my know-it-all behaviors and, you know, speaking when I I really shouldn't be speaking, things like that. It was just to have attention. Mm -hmm. And that all goes back to childhood and just like needing to reparent myself. And I didn't know that at the time. You know, like I just, I really didn't know that. And we didn't get that deep on the Instagram live, but I could tell that he sees a difference. And we, we talked about some things, you know, talked to, and especially men, like men really rarely do inner work. And I've been doing it for like almost a year now. So, and even beyond that, I've done seminars and shit, but nothing like what I'm doing now. And um, yeah, that was it. 
that was it. Like he saw, he saw a difference and ultimately like the shifts happened because of a two by four to the face a few times by life, you know, mm-hmm. like um, not necessarily rock bottom moments, but close enough, you know, definitely close enough. So that's a part of it. Yeah, it is. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, from our friend, Dr. Jen Welter. Now, Dr. Jen and I did continue to have a conversation after that. So if you felt this episode ended a bit abruptly, it did. I just wanted to make sure that I was respecting her space and the conversation that we were having afterwards. Now, with that being said, regardless of that fact, Dr. Jen did a phenomenal job at helping us kick off Women's History Month. So I want to urge you, if you found this to be of value, make sure you're sharing it because we have such powerful individuals continuously hopping on this show, sharing their experiences, their wisdom, their life lessons, and everything in between to help empower you, to maybe help you not make the same mistakes they did, or to show you the path in which now you can walk in their footprints and continuously pushing the ball forward or upfield, or in Dr. Jen's case, moving the chains, right? That is so powerful. So make sure you're sharing this episode if you found it to be of value. Number one, Dr. Jen is super active on social, so you can find all of her social handles or direct links to her platforms in the show notes of this episode, so make sure you're tagging her. Let her know you heard her here on Decoding Success. Visit her website. Go grab her book, but definitely make sure you are connecting with her. Also, you can find our social handles in the show notes of this episode as well. We are now live on YouTube. We just put our trailer out. If you haven't yet, head over there to subscribe. It would mean the absolute world to us. If you screenshot it and send it to me, I'll send you out a t-shirt from our agency, 1B Branding. Thank you again for tuning into yet another episode here on Decoding Success. Much, much more to come. So until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.